We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I feel like that's like relieving to know, though, to be like, oh, we're this, we, the, I see where it's coming from. I see the bloodline here. Yeah, this is a chemical imbalance. I wasn't touched as a child. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Don't Tell Mom. My name is Hannah Dickinson, and I'm back in Virginia. Uh, Last week I was in L.A. seeing a friend, and I was very careful about traveling. I had a mask on. I had hand sanitizer every second. I didn't eat in the airport, which people were just eating McDonald's openly, just spread out on the floor willy-nilly, just dipping their fries in multiple sauces, just sharing meals across the airport ground, and it was freaking me out. But I don't know. I'm going to get tested this week. It's crazy. Everywhere is on lockdown. You know, I was like, I can't wait to go to L.A. And then you go to L.A. and everyone's sad there, too. Everyone's like, "Eh, I want a boyfriend. Um, actually that was just me and my friend saying that, but, um, I'm sure other girls out there are saying that as well. (laughs) So it can't be just us, but whatever. Um, I mean, this Chris D'Elia shit, what is going on? I have to say that Chris has never tried alcohol or drugs. So he says, and I believe it because those people, there's something up with those people. I'm like, well, then how do you just get a little kick? You know, how do you get your kicks? And turns out. You get your kicks by fucking little kids. Actually, he didn't even fuck little kids. Also, she was 17, so I'm now I'm spreading rumors. Um, so she wasn't a little girl. She was still not a woman, Chris. I, I just don't get it. Like, if you read the text, she told him she was 17, and obviously he didn't give a shit. I'm not surprised that he did this. Um, I also think he probably thinks he didn't do anything wrong because she was 17, and in some states, I believe the age of consent might be 17. I'm not aware of the age of consent because I don't care because I'm not going to fuck you if you're, even if you're 18. Like, that's so weird to me. 
as women we're told to look like little girls like wax all your body hair off you know have a tight puss don't speak you know it's just like they want us to be these little girls so when guys it comes out that guys are hitting on young girls i'm like well that's what we are trained to be the younger you are the better so like being a woman is somehow we're shamed for it it's just fucked up it's all fucked up it's gross i so i watched a jeffrey epstein documentary too and that's creepy as shit i don't know if anyone's seen it but basically jeffrey epstein has been you know for years just had this underground sex ring and he was paying off all the police officers in florida to cover him up which again defund the police because jeffrey epstein was literally giving millions of dollars so he could fuck little girls or rape them he could rape girls and i just it's so disgusting that it happened for so long it was covered up for so long yeah so i think it's good this girl is calling chris out because i mean i think power in itself is toxic because you feel invincible but also teachers fuck their kids too so this isn't like a guy versus girl thing well uh, my guest today is a white man Uh, my guest today is very funny comedian uh lev fur he's we met in new york he's so young which i didn't even realize He's a cool dude. Uh, I met him in like the open mic scene, and he's just always been super nice. He has a great podcast called Young Daddy, which you should check out. And yeah, let's fucking get into it. You're still in New York. Yeah, I'm. I'm here. I'm in the East Village. I'm getting robbed three times a day. Wait, what? No, no, I'm kidding. But I did get my phone stolen in the park. That sucks. How did that even happen? I know. It was in my boxing bag while I was, like, training my friend. And I guess somebody just, like, reached in and pulled it out. Which I think if you're going to rob somebody, like, don't take the guy fighting. You know what I mean? But Yeah, but he did get away with it, so. Beautifully. I don't even have a suspect. I mean, like, he just, I have no idea. I'm air, I'm fucking shadow boxing now. I got nobody to blame. Yeah, I think you need to, uh, that says more about you as a as a fighter, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, like, say what you will. The guy has zero awareness. I mean, I fucked his mom while he was training his friend. <laughs> that sucks. When did that happen? Was it while we were in quarantine? Yeah, it was probably like two weeks ago. And you were at out of the park training? Yeah, I was like, I was uh, holding pads for my friend and like teaching him, you know, basics of boxing and shit. And I go back to find my phone and it's just like gone. So somebody must have like, it must have just been like right in a visible place in the bag. And somebody just was like, fuck that guy. But that's the thing. You know what I mean? You steal a phone now. It's like, who? it doesn't even really matter. Because, like, usually they'll fucking just send you a new one for, like, 200 bucks. And the guy, nobody, like, buys these old phones. So it's like, who, you know what I mean? Who? What's that guy doing with that thing? Like, I hope he's getting a good use out of it. Yeah, but I feel like you can sell it for parts, no? What, do you think? It's like a car? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, well, you can I, sell computers back for parts. I, I think, but here's the thing. If you take like a cracked iPhone 10, right? And you got like, how much are you really going to make on that? And, and how do you, I think, what are you going to do? Fucking send it overseas to like somebody who will actually buy it for parts? Yeah, this sounds a lot more complicated now that you're saying. Maybe they were after your nudes. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. That's worth millions. Have you been uh, fucking in quarantine or what's up? I haven't been fucking, but I have been sucking and uh what does that mean (laughs) you're sucking your roommate's dick (laughs) yeah i wish uh it won't let me but i haven't let this is the longest i've gone without sex in a really long time i haven't let anybody come over is it because you're afraid 
No, I'm honestly at the point where I just don't give a shit anymore. In the beginning, I didn't leave my apartment for like a month and a half, two months straight. Like I had everything delivered. I didn't go outside. Like yeah. now I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm uh, I'm opening a factory. I mean, I'm Elon Musk in it. I don't give a shit anymore. Like if I if I die, I die. I don't come into contact with any old people anywhere. I've neglected my grandparents for a long time. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, that's why I went to Virginia is because at least here I have space and I can go for a run in the neighborhood, but I can't imagine being stuck inside in New York. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How many runs are you really going on? I'm actually going on a lot. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I hate running so much. I mean, they turn into walks. A lot of them turn into walks. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna sit here and say that I'm fucking Usain Bolt. Yeah. But uh I like to get out because I'm like in I don't know, I'm in my basement and I also like at the beginning I was really sending nudes and I was like, Holy shit, I'm kinda fat, you know? <laughs> You're like, I'm like <laughs> I gotta get a filter on this shit. Well that's why I only ever send nudes like with a shirt on. I've never sent a nude with a shirt off in my life unless it was in the shower. Then I got to find like a good angle where like if you get a shower nude for me, it's just like you got to turn your phone sideways. It's just dick down the side and, it, you know, to the first quarter of your phone. Wait, how do you send a nude? <laughs> there are two parts of this. You send a nude with your shirt on. So it's like your dick's just out like you don't have pants on. Yeah, it's like me at the grocery store or something. I'm like rubbing it against cereal, you know, it's some reality kind of stuff. No, I, uh, you know, you just lay it back. You, you, you gotta, you gotta tease it slow though. First is like you, you holding it in your boxers. Then it starts to come out, you know. Oh the yeah. Boxer. Okay, I'm yeah. seeing this now. I'm imagining like a mirror selfie with a shirt on, but I forget that's not how guys send their dick. It's been a few weeks, so I haven't. Yeah. Forgot. Yeah. But you're not really. Sen- Are you talking to anyone right now or no? I have I've gone through just about every ex in this uh, quarantine. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I had, uh, you know, it's funny. So the first like week that this shit happened and like when everybody's like, if you, if it gets you, you're going to die. All this shit. Like at the same time, I was like so uh, sad and missing my ex so dramatically that like I went and got stationary and wrote her a letter like a seven page fucking letter of like how much i miss her and all this shit right did you do it in cursive uh no but i did do 80 takes of it of course that's the thing about stationary yeah i'd be like the words are too big here we gotta do it again yeah and then you don't have spell check you're like fuck i used the wrong there yeah (laughs) so it was like eight hours of writing this fucking letter and then i go to the post office to, to mail it to her and then uh I'm laying in bed that night. I'm like excited for her to get it. And then I'm reading all this shit about COVID and I'm sick at the time. I have like a fucking fever and I'm like, oh my God, I don't think I sent her a letter. I think I sent her a bioweapon. Like, I think she's going to get COVID now. She's going to die. Her roommate's going to die. It's over. Like, what did I just do? So we, we haven't talked in ages. I got to fucking text her. Be like, this is an emergency answer like text me immediately and i was like do not open your mailbox for two weeks so did she read the letter or no yeah she read it framed it and uh no yeah so we started like talking again but things like weren't better does she live in new york yeah she lives over in williamsburg oh the the thing about me and her is like when things are great they're really great like we laugh so much together like she's like a great like riff partner you know what i mean yeah um but I mean, this time around, I was just like, yeah, you got a lot to work on. 
I mean, yeah, kind of. <laughs> because, like, I, li- I was making a damn good effort, you know what I mean? But I wasn't getting that in return. And that that really just kind of, like, deflated me. Yeah, that's hard when you put yourself out there so hard and someone's, like, kind of half-ass giving it to you back. You're like, well, there's only so much. Yeah, when, when every day somebody's explaining to you, like, why it won't work even though like things are fine it's just like what are you even doing you know what i mean like do you want to do this or not you can't just be in between that's kind of a mood killer especially right now when everything's so sad it's like if this is also sad like what the fuck are we doing right well i heard that down south like everybody just thinks this is a hoax is that true for a little my parents do like crime scene cleanup and biohazard stuff so they have been going into facilities to like clean because people are trying to you know disinfect their office offices but i think for a while my parents weren't like it's fake but they weren't so worried about it and then now that they're in it and like seeing how fast it spreads and how long it stays on surfaces i think they're pretty freaked out yeah but i mean i don't know i mean virginia is not georgia you know atlanta's opening but then i heard on npr today that the cases have spiked there yeah i mean I was saying on my on my pod last night, I was like, I genuinely don't know what the fuck to believe anymore. Like, I have no idea. Yeah, I feel the same way, especially because someone was like, well, you want the antibodies. And then I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you? Because what if in a year it comes out that you lose an arm? You know, so (laughs) it's kind of scary to be like, well, if you have it and then it's gone and then you don't really know how it's affecting the body. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, that's the big thing is that there's so much that people don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to that's why to me I'm like I I'm almost sure that I had it at one point. Said every white person, but yeah. 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 But like I had every single fucking symptom, and like I've had friends who had it, and we had the same shit. But I'm I'm treating it the same way I treat STD tests. Like the other person I was with, I'm waiting for them to go get tested. Amazing. Yeah. So because I can't do needles, I can't do any of that shit. So. It's also like you're fine now, right? Yeah. Totally. I've been totally. I'm in, I think, better shape than I've ever been in right now. That's good. Why? Because you're just yeah. boxing and hitting the Peloton? I still can't believe you have a Peloton. Yeah, we scammed a Peloton. <laughs> I was going to order one for my parents' basement, and it said, you know, three-month waiting list. And I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to be down here in three months, but I probably will be. Yeah, right at the start of this shit, my roommate bought a Peloton because he was like, I'm just going to return it before the thing, like in the month that you can use it. Oh, yeah. He's like, so you plan to have it for a month and then he called them up and he was like hey i want to return this and they're like dude we're not picking that shit up and they're like you gotta just keep it until this is over that's genius yeah and he was like oh god okay fine i guess so have you so, been using yeah. it or no i used it once and uh it's cool it's a cool product i get it but it, i i went and bought an actual bike is that the one hanging on your wall yeah yeah, yeah. it's um it was actually this is actually a scary experience to buy this fucking thing why because so i like i found this bike it's a new bike great deal on it and uh i'm like yes this guy's selling one down in the lower east side and i start googling the bike and they're like oh they recalled all of these for a safety issue (laughs) so like you you can't even ride this thing (laughs) and i gave up on finding a used bike because if you go on craigslist and you look at used bike it's like the most depressing thing in the world it's like a sex ad it's like, please come take this. I'd rather see a sex ad because in a sex ad, at least you're not seeing like broken children's toys in the background. You know what I mean? Just with oh. bike ads, you just see how shitty people's lives are. Like you see a bike and then in the back, there's like a broken crib, oh you my know, God. 
So it's like, a, I guess being a dad didn't work out. He's just trying to get a custody lawyer by selling his bike. Yeah, like you're seeing fucking tax forms, like bankruptcy forms. It's just like, dude, I just need a bike, you know? So I got too depressed to do it. But then I, I was at the shop and I was like, okay, so with this bike, I had like a huge safety recall. I was like, did you guys replace the part? And he's like, yes, bike. Like that was his answer. His answer to me was like, it is a bike. So now I ride around every day thinking about death. Yeah, but why did you still buy it? You were that desperate for a bike? It it was just such a good deal that I'm like, you know what? Even if I die in a year on this, that was value. What? Wait, what's the safety recall? Is it the brakes? No, the fork, like the fucking big metal piece in the front that keeps the wheel down. Um, if And my brother was like, what happens if it messes up? I'm like, you die. You, like, you just die. That's, <laughs> that's what happens. You're Are you wearing bike- a helmet? Fuck that. What do I look like to you? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you don't really look like a helmet guy. But Yeah, I'm not no cuck. I mean, that is terrifying, but I guess... I'm having such a good time, you know? Yeah. I mean, you knew going into it the problems, and then you knew buying it the... Like, it's not like this is new information, so... Yeah, look, if it breaks, I'm not coming after anybody. Like, I'm not making a lawsuit, you know what I mean? I'm good. I would just say, yeah, I had that one coming. That was on me. But he told me he replaced the part a million times, and the, the shop's been around for forever, so... The owner, I heard him bitching. He was like, yeah, we had to wait six months for those fucking parts. And I was like, all right, fine. I believe you. Yeah, how long have you been riding it for? I feel like if, you, if you've if you been doing it a few weeks, you might be safe. Yeah, I think it's been like a, a month now. Okay, I feel like yeah. you're fine. I don't know, knock on wood. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really afraid of death. Like, of all the fears that I have, like, it, you know you know what's weird? is like I'm more afraid of, like, a home invasion than I am, like, dying. Death is one of my biggest fears. Really? I Sometimes if I think about it too much, I can go into a full spiral panic attack. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of a lot of people have that. Norm Macdonald, I know, was like had like a unhealthy obsession with it. Um, well, th- the thing is too, like your brain is not supposed to comprehend thinking about it, especially if it's you. Like you're, I think there's like a like a, a thing where your brain can only like typically after like seven seconds of thinking about your own death, it's immediately starts thinking about something else because your brain knows like, oh, we shouldn't be thinking about this because every every particle in you is like meant to survive so to me it's like it's this inevitable thing that like who gives like why waste any living time thinking about it you know what i mean totally but i have this ever since i I found out when i was four that you could die and i i've started having panic attacks and my parents were like we need to get this child into therapy or whatever i was desperate to get religious about it because i was like there has to be something else like this is it like then what the fuck are we doing yeah we're all just we're all just going for a, for a cruise, like just chill. Yeah, we're all just going for a ride. You know, we're we're letting our parents fuck us up. Then we think we're perfect. We have kids. We fuck them up, and uh, you know, you see some sunlight, have a couple cigars, read some good books, enjoy human art, try to accomplish some shit, and that's it. And it's it's better than not being able to do any of that. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, better guess. than the alternative. So. Do you take anti-anxiety? No. I I live with it. It just like is it's just a big part of me. Anxiety? Yeah, I think um if I didn't have anxiety, I don't think I would be me. I was like that for a long time too. Like I've had the worst anxiety my whole life and then I was on Zoloft and then I got off of it and then my anxiety it got so bad like I could only think about death. I could only think about it was, it was like I would spend hours thinking about things I had yeah. to do. Like I couldn't it was 
debilitating. So I got back on it, but I know yeah. the feeling for a while I didn't need it. And I know the feeling of like, it gives you that extra little push kind of, it kind of pushes you to like get up <laughs> during the day. Like people yeah. just like sit around all day and watch TV. I'm like, how do you do that? How is your mind just not like wake up you piece of shit? Yeah. It's a miracle. Well, that's like those people are born to be bumps. If if you're just able to just like do nothing and you have no fear of like I should I should do something, then like you're never gonna get off your ass. You know. I, know. I had like debilitating anxiety. Like I had it my whole childhood, but it was just like kind of I, I had no idea what it was. It was just a part of me, so I never even knew it was like a thing. But then when I was like 20, I had my first and only panic attack, and. Uh, I was like so fucking anxious. It, like it, it took over almost like two years of my life. And I remember being like, all right, I need to go to a fucking therapist. So I reached out to this therapist. I was like, all right, I could do any of these times. You know, let's fucking do this. And he was like, I'm not available any of those times. So I, j I was just like, I guess I just got to figure this one out. So what'd you do? It took me a long time to figure it out. Like, to me, it's all like brain patterns. From an early age, your brain starts making these neural pathways where like you start thinking about this thing. So then the next thought, like your brain makes these roadmaps and it goes down these maps because they're like, it knows like, oh, this is the way we travel. It's like if you have this thought, like if you start thinking about chicken and your next thought is about rice, like statistically, like if that's what your brain does and then your next thought is about bacon, every time you think about chicken, you're going to go chicken, rice, bacon. You're just going to fly down that chute. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. What I realized was like what my brain would do a lot is find a thing and then start just flying down that path and run away with it. And then I'd start feeling anxious. I'd start feeling that fear, you know, and I realized like, oh, I'm not doing this because something's wrong with me. I'm doing this because like my brain just does this and I can train it to stop doing that. Like there was a time when every second I would literally do like an anxiety check. Like I'd be at my old day job and I'd be like. Am I feeling anxious? Am I anxious? Like while doing everything, like it was just it just dominated my thoughts at all times. And then the more you start, once you once I gave up on the fear of being anxious, and I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like the day I said to myself, just have you know, like I was like, don't have a panic attack, don't have a panic attack. The day I said to myself, just have it. You don't have anything to fucking do today. Fuck it, just have it. Immediately, I felt ten percent better. I felt it drop. And like once I gave into that fear of like, you know what? I'm not going to let this dominate me. I just, I refuse. And it, this it's like turbulence on an airplane. It's just a part of life. I need to use it. E e eventually, having that thought every second turns into every five minutes. And then it turns into every, you know, three hours. And then over the course of a month, you start, you, you go, oh, wow, I haven't even thought about that since. Yeah. I've re since I've gotten into quarantine, I saw a therapist and literally you are saying exactly what she's saying to me, which is crazy because she's very expensive. So I've been spending all this money <laughs> to say what you uh, have just said because she's like, you go down these exactly negative thought patterns and um, once you train your brain to rethink that way. Like for me, she's like, you're very mean to yourself. Like she wrote down everything I said about myself and it was... Yeah. I was like, yeah, it sounds bad when you say it back in a row. And she was like, well, yeah, this is what <laughs> right, I have to right. listen to. And um, she's like, catch yourself. Like, if you you have to write it down so that you're aware of it so you can stop doing it. And even with my videos that I've been doing, I'm like, holy shit, I'm so mean to myself. Yeah. Now I can see it. Or, yeah, give in and be like, okay, this is how I feel. As opposed to be like, don't feel this way, don't feel this way. Right. Well, it would also find, for me, actually, the biggest part of it 
was that like there were literally there would literally be nights like I couldn't sleep five in the morning. I'm like full anxiety. Like I had to like go for a run. I was like freaking the fuck out. And I remember one night I was like sitting on a park bench at like two in the morning and genuinely for that whole week I was having the thought like I don't know if I can go on like this. Like I just I can't live like this as a slave to this feeling. And this was after dealing with it for like a year and a half, like going away, coming back, going away. And I was sitting there and I started thinking, I was like, okay, I know that my brain likes to obsess over negative thoughts. It likes to take the negative, believe that it's true and start and start the cycle. So then I went, whoa, okay, so that just means my brain just does that. So I can, I, I can get it to stop doing that. And then I went, but why does it do that? Where did this all come from? And then I realized like in, in my childhood, there was one very particular circumstance that really caused me stress, that it, it changed my sense of security as a kid. And I went, oh, it's all because of that. And I was like, the minute that I felt that fear, that's when I went into this fear mode of like, this is the negative thing. I'm going to obsess over it. So once I felt that I traced it back to where it came from, and it felt like I understood what my brain's stress response was. And I said, now that I know how, how it works, I can stop it. I can get ahead of it. Like when I'm feeling it, I can go... I, I'm just feeling this because of that. It's not that the thoughts are real. It's not that this is really happening. This is just an old stress response that's in my DNA. That's all it is. And I can stop worrying about it. And I remember the day that I realized that, like the second I realized that, it was probably the most uh, joy I've ever felt in my life. Like I literally walked home with a huge smile on my face and I texted a girl I know who's like into like mental health shit and I all caps like a fucking I finally figured out the way my brain works. I, I solved it. Yeah. And I swear to God, I felt in that moment released. I felt free in that in that second. And then also like little things like I remember one time I, I watched Seinfeld on uh, Comedians in Cars and he was having coffee with Sarah Jessica Parker. And he's like, do you want another coffee? And she's like, what are you kidding? I've had like two already. Like I'd go crazy. And she's like, are you not like insanely anxious? You've had four coffees. He's like, I like the anxiety. And that line was so big to me because I was like, this thing that I hate so much, this thing that I fear so much, he just said he likes it. It's like, it's possible to like it and use it. I thought you were going to end that by saying the thing that happened is you were molested. Yeah, I think everybody was just like, did he... Get, no, I I had one of these like creepy neighbors that like would say shit to you like, hey, I got a bunch of candy in my house. Do you want to see it? You know what I mean? But that was it. That was like as far as it went. But he was like a he would like drive into my fucking cul-de-sac all the time, like stop in front of my house. And I'd be like home alone. You know what I mean? Like upstairs, like fucking I'd be like, oh, and he was this giant like military gunnery sergeant, R really scary looking dude. So I was at all times I felt like, oh, fuck, like this guy's going to come in my house and kill me. That was like my whole childhood was that fear. That's terrifying. My dad, um, this guy used to call his house and be like, he asked for my dad. And then he started being like, I'm going to come and kill your family if you tell anyone about this. So he'd make my dad like talk to him for an hour every single day. And he said, if anyone picks up, if your mom picks up your sister, like he knew everything about my dad. Yeah. And this happened for months. And it, basically, my dad was like, tried to lie and say he had like these huge dogs. And then the guy would call other kids in the neighborhood and find out. Yeah. And be like, don't you ever fucking lie to me again. So this went on for months. And then my dad finally told the police because he couldn't sleep at night. This is when he was like 13. Yeah. And they caught the guy. He ended up going to jail in Florida. And then when he was released, he molested and killed a bunch of kids. Jesus Christ. Even that story of my dad has haunted me my whole life and it didn't even happen to me. So yeah, I that's that terrifying. Guy, 
Isn't that so scary? That's so terrifying. That's insane. Yeah, there's some fucking insane people out there. But, you know, uh, the, the, the kind of thing that helps me figure that, like, whenever I hear, like, awful things like that, and I, I try to avoid them, but it's like... Uh, Sorry, I just kind of, I was like... No, well, at least that story's funny, you know, a bunch of kids die. But, uh, you know, some st- some of these unfunny stories, they get away. No, but I just, you just kind of have to accept it, like, horrible things happen. If, if you really look back on, like, if I look back on my own life, I'm lucky enough to say that, like, I didn't have to see too many awful things happen, you know? Not yet. That bike still might break. Yeah, that's going to be bad. I'll call you back when that happens. I get in a situation, like, um, you think nothing's going to happen to you until it does. My roommate in college, we went to school in L.A., and one night she went home with a guy who she thought was CeeLo Green. <laughs> Because he was wearing sunglasses and he was like a large man. Yeah, hap- happens to the best of us. Yeah, so she went home with him and she said she got they got like deep into the valley and they pulled up to like this apartment complex and she like kind of blacked in when they're walking into this empty apartment and she's realizing he's not CeeLo Green. Yeah. And uh, she has him. She starts freaking out. She starts crying and and like holy shit! Like and the guy realized that she thought he was CeeLo Green because she was like, "You're not CeeLo Green." What the fuck? And so he called her a cab and sent her home, but she was just like, it was such a scary moment because it really could have gone either way. Like, I just went home with this random yeah. man. I guess anytime you go home with a man is scary, but like thinking you're going to pull up to like CeeLo Green's mansion and then you end up in a studio apartment in the valley is, is, is terrifying. But she got lucky. Can you imagine that? Like the next day she's like, I fucked CeeLo Green. She's like, he's not doing too well. Where's your studio? Is this, is this what you meant? <laughs> this is the studio. But where's all your music stuff? Bitch, I'm an accountant. Yeah, but it's also like he had one hit, so maybe he does live in a studio apartment. Yeah, your friend sounds like an idiot. She was just got really drunk. Like, one time she tried to bring a homeless man who couldn't hear back to her apartment. And even he was scared of her. And he was like, I don't want to go with you. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's, uh, if my roommate ever brought a homeless person into our house, I would fucking... I, I got pissed at him for volunteering with the homeless during this. I mean, that's so nice. It's yeah. hard to be like, why would he do that? Because that's such a thoughtful thing. And I appreciate right. that. But also, like, living with him, I understand. Yeah, I was like, are you fucking, you selfish fuck. Was like, <laughs> you putting me at risk? You're like, I'm going to ride a broken bike, but don't you fucking go help the homeless and risk my life. Yeah, nowadays, like, I don't, I don't even give a shit anymore. You can bring them home. I don't, I don't care. So you're from North Carolina, right? Yeah, raised down south in the suburbs. And then you moved here right after college. No, I actually... Or after high school. Yeah, I left high school early and just skipped college. And your parents were fine with that? To do stand-up? Not at first, no. I mean, I think, honestly, I think my dad... Well, I think he started putting it together. Like, once he saw people starting to come out to see me at shows... I think that was like a crazy thing then. Like after a show one time in North Carolina, like these like three girls were like talking to me and he was just like beaming. And in the back, he took a picture of like people wanting to talk to me because he was like, can you believe that somebody wants to talk to this guy? He's like freaking out. Yeah. And then I think when I got on TV for like a small part on a show, he was like, oh, okay, yeah. All right. This is possible. But it took a, a year before that. He was calling me like buddy. Like, I was out in L.A. taking meetings with, like, every, you know, you know, you go take these meetings with every fucking company. And he was calling me and being like, buddy, like, when are you going to hang this up? This is not working. You're not making money. I'm like, I, I literally had the L.A. in the middle of the street screaming on the phone. Like, why the fuck do you think I'm out here right now? I'm trying to fucking make shit happen. You know what I mean? 
Like I had, I lived that moment. Yeah. That like, if you wrote that scene in a movie, you'd be like, yeah, that's just bullshit. It's too cliche. What does your dad do? He's like a, a general manager of a car dealership. I, I feel like I have my dad as a car dealership manager energy. <laughs> I mean, this is certain kind of unearned confidence. That's why you seem older to me because you are very confident and you're not like a douche. Yeah. Well, th- it took a long time. Like when I was, if, if you knew me when I was 18, it's like meters, like the douche meter would have been here. Honestly, going through anxiety. Uh, was a lot of what humbled me into kind of being more of a person. I'm still like not the most welcoming person in the world. I'm still like very hypercritical of people. Like I'm, I have this thing in me where I'm like, if I don't think this person is like going somewhere or like has talent or this, I, I like don't even really waste my time. And that's like stuff I want to be better at. But like going through bad times in life, like make you a way better person. You, you start looking at people and really empathizing and you go, fuck, I feel for anybody who's dealing with this or that. Like I used to be so critical of people because it's a way of like coping with anxiety as well. It's also kind of like elevating yourself in the worst way. Because like if you're thinking to your like this guy does this bad, you're, like, you're kind of just saying to yourself, I don't do that. Exactly. Or kind of saying you do because what bothers you about someone, it's what you are doing yourself. I've actually been thinking so much about like the way my parents affected me lately. And I like you kind of realize as you get older, you have so many traits that just come directly from your parents. Like from my dad, I definitely took not being very supportive of people. I've always not been great about just like caring about another person's passions, like when they're outside of comedy and shit. Yeah. And I'm also like my way of trying to bring somebody up in my head is like they make a mistake and then I go, are you a fucking idiot? Like, how did you fuck that up? Obviously, you have to do this and that. Like, that's what I say to like my brother all the time. But I hate I feel so terrible doing it later that I'm like, OK, you have to be like, obviously, he didn't know what you know. So you can't be like, are you a fucking idiot for not doing what I know? Yeah. I want to start talking to people in a way of like, hey, like, you know, next time just you should do it like this because then we won't die. What traits do you think you get from your mom? Uh, my mom is like, she just says it. She's, she's like, she knows how to fuck up a dinner party. She'll say the thing that like ruins everybody's vibe. She doesn't hold back at all. She's very like artsy type. Her new passion is trolling people on Facebook. That's her new hobby. I love that. I'm sure she's commented on something I've done. (laughs) (laughs) But from her, I actually was talking to her about like because I was telling her about like my childhood fears that I had and all these like uh, anxieties I had. And she's like, oh, that's crazy. When I was a kid and she grew up in like fucking Russia in the in the 70s, 80s. She was like, uh, when I was a kid, I had that exact same fear. Like, I always had this fear that somebody was going to come in and, like, attack me or rob us in my house. She's like, and she goes, in some days, I was so afraid of going into my house that I would just wait outside on the porch. And I was like, that's insane. Like, that's what I used to do. I was like, I wonder if there's a genetic link there of us being, like, prone to the same fears. Because, like, I look at my, my grandma, like, her mom, you, she's, like, the most anxiety-filled person ever. And she has every tiny little micro-anxiety going through her head at all times. My mom is, like, a watered-down version of that. And then I'm the most watered-down version of it. But I find that even in myself, I find all these mental habits. Like, I'll go, don't touch that. And I realize that's my mom going, if you touch that, you're going to get sick, then you're going to die. I'm the same way. Like, 
when I'm on the phone with customer service, sometimes I'll hear myself going, are you serious? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, that was, that was my mother. That just like came out of me like a ghost. Like if I was telling my dad, cause I ordered a new phone from Verizon. They're like fucking it up. And my dad was like, I mean, Hannah, it's probably not arriving cause they probably know you're related to your mother and they don't want to help this household anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. And my dad, our anxiety is the same way. Like we're on the same dose of Zoloft. So we have the same anxiety and we drink the same way which is not good i feel like that's like relieving to know though to be like oh we're this we th- i see where it's coming from i see the bloodline here yeah this is a chemical imbalance i wasn't touched as a child yeah or just to know that you know when you're feeling like so helpless or hopeless it's like you're not the only one it's actually coming directly from someone else right yeah it's nice the way you worded that where you're just like it's all his fault it's coming yeah. from him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe your kid will have a watered down. You know what I mean? Maybe it'll just get better as the generations go on. I think that's the whole hope is that like if you do have kids, they just take a little less of your craziness. Like you just impose a little less of that. And then hopefully it takes like six generations to make like one normal person. But that's always going to be the one that something horrible happens to. So that then the cycle just repeats. Starts over. Yeah. That, that's why you never met like a normal, well-adjusted human out. And like, that's just like, yeah, like I, everything's great. Like I love my parents. I have no problems. Those people are not trustworthy. Yeah, no. That's, nothing is like scarier, I think, than a person that's like, everything's perfect. Yeah. You know, just like I love both my parents very much. Everything is great. They're hiding something. I know. Even people I know who seem really on their shit and just are always happy, you see that thing in their eye where you're like, oh, you're you're having panic attacks nightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I was, I was like, nighttime comes, everybody's miserable. I was like reading this book, uh, Grapes of Wrath. That's, it's going to take me eight years to finish this fucking thing. But I was thinking, it's like, it's like the early, I don't even know if it's 1800s or 1900s in this fucking book. And there's nothing to do for these people. You, every day you just think about how shitty life is, and then you drink. And, like, the only thing you could have done for fun was get drunk. And, like, we all know when you get hammered, like, the next day you start feeling even more fucking anxious. Yeah. I feel bad for them because I'm like, they didn't have anything to do. Like, they only had their thoughts and fucking booze, and that's it. But sometimes, like, I don't know, I think I think about my friends who just want to be, you know, their lives are pretty simple, and I don't mean that in, like, a, a negative way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, you know, whatever. Um, and they are the happiest people, because they don't have, like, my friends who are teachers, it's like, they're always going to be a teacher, you know, they right. that's what they love to do, and that's great, but they don't have, like, these big lofty goals that they're, like, feel like they have to achieve. Yeah, because our goals are, like, become superstars and be famous and, like, you know, like, the all the... That's what I always say, like, if you're going to be a comedian, it takes a certain level of insanity. Because what you're saying is, my thoughts deserve to be heard by audiences of people. And when we set our goals as comics, we're like, I want to do theaters, which means, like, your brain is going, I should be able to speak my mind to 5,000 people a night. Normal people don't do this. They don't watch TV as a child and go, they need me. I know. Ever since I was, I like passed out this newspaper when I was in sixth grade. I just made one. Basically told people they smelled and like they had butt crack problems (laughs) and stuff. I was just like very critical of my class and I just gave it out as people walked into school and I got in trouble. And they're like, what makes you think you could do this? Like you're just giving your opinions on everything. And so... Now that I'm doing stand-up, I don't think anyone's too surprised because I've always been hypercritical and, like, open about 
I don't know. My teachers would all be like, you're a little too big for your britches. Because I would say, like, fuck in, like, sixth grade. Yeah. Even being a CEO, it takes a level of insanity. Like, they say that a CEO and a serial killer, there's only a slightly different personality. Because you have to be so crazy to be like, I'm going to control a company. I'm going to have this, you know, you want this level of power and level of control that is psychotic. Well, yeah, I, I honestly think that just about any very successful person is pretty fucked up. That's how we deal with it. A serial killer is made... When a guy who has our type of personality, uh, like hyper ambitious, that narcissism, wanting to do things and be the star of things, and they don't channel it, then they're like, oh, I should kill a couple, I should make some lamps out of people. With the exception of like Kevin Hart, I hear he's like the most positive guy. But all these people, like they're, they must just be out of their fucking minds. You know what I mean? They're not like, you know, you know, show business people, they're not real people. It's a mask and it's like all smoke underneath. It's like every opinion they have, every th it's all just like validating for the next person. It's all in it's insane people. You don't know who they are. And that's why I feel like some days I'm like, this is never going to happen. I'm wasting my time. And then other days I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so successful. But then I have this fear. I'm like, what if I do become like Amy Schumer? And then they hate me the next day like they hate her. And my brain always goes to the negative. Of yeah. Like, I'm never going to make it or I'm going to be as big as Amy Schumer. And then everyone's going to hate me as much as Amy. It's like so crazy. Yeah, but if you here's the thing, but you're doing you're having all the uh, I don't want to say you're having all the right thoughts. But like if you didn't think that you had the potential to be Amy Schumer then there's no reason to ever get into this business. There's no reason to ever start doing comedy because you have to have that. Every male comic thinks I'm going to be Louie. That's every male comic. is, And you need that. Is that why you just started jacking off? Yeah, my cock is fully out. Uh, I know you can't tell, but that in order to accomplish something huge, something where all the odds are stacked against you, you need to have that level of delusion of like, I can get to the very top of that. Because if you just went, oh, I'll probably settle it about the, the bottom end and make 25 grand, you'd never do it. You'd never get up and do it. You need that fuel. You need that kind of... It's like Kanye. Like Kanye needs to tell the world, I'm the fucking best because it makes him fuel up and go, oh, I really do need to do shit. I need to be on top. I need to build a billion dollar company. And it's true because at the end of the day, you have to be your biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. Because other people, like if you're not, then who the fuck else is going to get on board? And also like you're very funny and you're very talented and you work hard and uh, you're like you're getting things like, you know, like the, everything is in the right pocket for you. So. Well, that's nice. And the other thing, I was just talking to a comic about this yesterday. He was like kind of complaining, like, oh, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. Like, nobody's paying attention to me. And I, was, I said to him, I was like, listen, man, like when we signed up to do comedy, we all assumed like, yeah, Netflix will give us the hour. You know, Comedy Central will give us the half hour. Like, we all assumed all these things would happen. But none of this was guaranteed or promised. Nobody told you you were going to get anything. So it's like. This is all just deals we make with ourselves in our heads of like, I guess I can do like before a comedian starts comedy, he's already negotiating business deals in his head. He's like, yeah, I guess I'll take the hour from from HBO. Maybe I'll do my first hour. with Like, that's how we work. You know what I mean? No, totally. And that's like when you be like, why? What made you start a podcast? And I'm like, well, because no one else is offering me fucking anything else. You know, like this yeah. is me trying to create something. Even when you think you're selling something or you think you have a deal, it's like not even there my friend the other day was like have you ever thought about getting a netflix special <laughs> <laughs> that's great nah just uh not not really for me yeah uh, not for me 
I'll leave it to those famous fucks. Is your brother, does he do comedy too? No. No, no. He just uses pictures of him on stage after my shows to try to pick up chicks. That's so funny because I swear to God, I thought I saw your brother on Hinge. Yeah, most likely. I was like, I think he used a photo on stage. Yeah, he's. And he thinks it's a great picture of him. Okay, that it was your brother. But I didn't swipe or whatever because I was like, I don't know. I don't like it when I'm talking to someone who... I know someone else through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also you kind of know like everything I say or do is going to get reported. Exactly. Yeah. It's like knowing that person's a rat and you're Tony Soprano. You're like, I can't even send a titty. This is going straight to the government. Uh, yeah, I was like, well, I mean, I might as well just start sending love nudes. So, yeah. But yeah, it was interesting. It. <laughs> but I saw that picture. I was like, I didn't know he got in the stand-up. A lot of people start dating girls and then they get in the stand-up. And I was like, that would be my nightmare if I started dating someone and <laughs> got in the stand-up. Well, here, I've dated comics before, but they were always like a couple notches down. What do you mean a couple notches down? Like I, when I w- would be like a bar show comedian, like four years into it, I would date like an open micer. Like that happened. Oh. Like, that happened like once or twice. I think it would be really hard for me to date a female comic that was like way further along than me. I don't think I'd be able to do that. I, I, I don't. I don't see any way that that works out. I'm too ambitious. I'm like so overly competitive. I could just see the negatives of my personality coming out that way. I think that's where men and women are different. Not that I would. I wouldn't date a male comic more successful than me. Yeah. Because he's more successful than me, but I would date one who's more successful than me just because. Yeah. It wouldn't really bother me. I think it's different for women because, I mean, it's also like you're just kind of used to like men being more so the breadwinners. So it's like. Yeah. But my the way my brain works is like if it's not comedy money, it ain't shit. Like that's how stupid my brain is. So like I've definitely dated women who have made significantly more than me. Like I dated a chick who was making like 250 grand and she's like 22 and uh what happened to her <laughs> she's actually the reason i have this apartment she's fucking co-signed on this apartment for me oh yeah you told me about her yeah so great great girl but it doesn't bother me if they make more money as long as it's outside of our business because then there's no competitiveness there yeah like when i date dudes that like make a lot of money that work at a bank it's hot to me one because it's nice to you know order appetizers but also yeah it's like I know they couldn't do what I'm doing. So it's right. not like I know I could never do banking. So there's no conflict of like, oh, that's funnier. I guess that actually dating comics has kind of annoyed me because they'll be like, <laughs> they don't find a bit that's funny that I'm doing. I'm like, bitch, your fucking bit's not funny. Yeah. And it's like, who cares? They're both like fine. Yeah. You're, it's like you're just in your head. You're like, your fucking crowd work blows. That's all you are. You're just fucking bad crowd work. Yeah, you're just fucking prop comic. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, you dated Carrot Top. This is how it comes out. <laughs> yeah, I wish, actually. I yeah. wish I could open for him in Vegas right now. I guess they're closed, but... Yeah. Uh, isn't he... He's worth, like, $50 million. Do you know that? Yeah, I mean, what do you expect? He's another one of those guys. He's out of his fucking mind. He started injecting, like, synthol and steroids into his fucking arms, you know? It looks great. Just sitting around all day with... I, I hear he's, like, hilarious, like, as a prop act, but, like... He's always going to get hated. Who did you hear that from? Um, I, I heard on a podcast, I think, actually. Some people were saying, like, some comics were saying they went to see him, and he was actually, like, really funny. I mean, he does sell out, so there's got to be something to it. As yeah. much as you like to shit on hack people, I'm like, well, there's something to being likable at the end of the day. Yeah. And also, it's like, a Carrot Top being alive doesn't hurt us in any way. Like, who? It, you're not going to have the same fans. You don't want those fans. You don't want people who are like, we got to... Like, do you want to be a Vegas act? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who gives a shit? 
I, when Daniel Tosh was doing his residency in Vegas, I was going to go because I love Daniel Tosh, but yeah. I never made it out. But he doesn't even seem like a, a like it seems weird to me that he would be doing a residency in Vegas. It does. But then if you think about it, he probably takes a private jet. Yeah. Lands on a Friday, does a weekend and then takes a private jet home. And it's so quick and he makes so much money. Yeah. And he doesn't have to travel all over the country. Like, I feel like traveling to all these cities would be worse because you have to. It's like a pain in the ass to get really far. Yeah, I think it depends. Honestly, one of the reasons I wanted to do comedy was because I was like, I would love to just travel a lot. And like, I love hotels. Like, I, I love so many parts of the lifestyle of being on the road. And like, I feel like you grow a lot out there. You you, fi- you kind of find out who you are more if you use it right. Like every time I go on the road and I go to a, a different city, uh, I'll, I'll like challenge myself to find a really cool thing in that city or like try. I'll go to like a bunch of restaurants. When I was Polly Shore's assistant my first year in a comedy and like opening for him on the road. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like hosting and traveling with him. And I did learn a lot, yeah. even just learning different types of people in crowds. And he'd be like, you can't, you can't say you're fat in Boise. I'm like, that's true. Yeah. But I also find it kind of depressing to be in a motel or whatever, because we weren't in like nice hotels. Right. I Yeah. I mean, I haven't had any like shitty, like I haven't been in any hotels where I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Usually like there, it'll be right next to a club and it'll be like a fucking good place and i'm just like having a great time also like as like i a lot of my audiences come from like female podcasts so yeah a lot of times i go do a city and like my fans are genuinely they're like a small but mighty bunch and when they're so fun to fucking perform to because like they hear me on my podcast i say a lot of wild shit like i i have a good time so when i go up there and i start defending fucking trump or some shit just to be funny they don't like get weird because they listen to you and they know that you're fucking kidding. Yeah, they, they know what the deal is. And also, like, what's nice about that is now after the show, there's, like, fucking 80 hot chicks that, like, are dying to fuck. Some of the greatest sexual memories I've ever had in my life have just been, like, threesomes on the road. Like, I remember, like, when I think back on the city, I remember the show and then I remember a mind-blowing experience. And I'm like, oh, li- like, what life? I love travel, you know? <laughs> how many girls do you think you've had sex with oh man ballpark it i honestly like i i never counted i i, I always felt like it you don't want to like reduce somebody to a number like it's it's like a memory nice save love no i'm serious <laughs> like, they're more than just a number it's a it's a person so i <laughs> it's a human with feelings um god i honestly don't even know i think it's somewhere between like one to two hundred somewhere in that park that's actually not that bad. Wait, how old are you? 23. Oh, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, put, I'm putting miles on this thing. Uh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, but, th- I mean, good for you. It's like, if you're not catching anything or dropping any kids. But you want a kid. You told me you want a kid in like a year. Yeah, why do you think I'm having all this sex? <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> you think it's for the sex? Yeah, you're just trying to drop little levs in different cities. Oh, God. Can you imagine I'm like I'm like, a old, like one of those NBA players where they look back like, he now has 43 kids. You better be selling out theaters tomorrow then. Sometimes I, I think like I, if I had a kid, I think I'd be a lot more successful like because it would push me. I'd be like, oh, we got to make some money because now I live like comfortably ish. So like I'm lazy. I'm lazier than ever. Yeah, I guess so. But I think also think it's different again for men and women. Whereas I, if I had a kid, I would feel like it would slow me down a lot. Even having a dog, I think would slow me down. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny there's this like uh, like open mic bar show comic like she had a kid 
And like a month after she had a baby, I saw her just bombing her ass off at like a fucking bar show. It's like night and you're just bombing like brutally to the point where like that nothing will save you. Like this is not going to happen. And I just kept like my brain just kept screaming at me. Go raise your kid. What are you doing here? Go raise your child. This is not going to work. Like stop it. Give that kid a life. Ian and I were talking about a funny sketch would be like um, the Real Housewives of Open Micers. But yeah, I think it'd be hard to follow your dreams with a child at our age. But also if you're fucking with like a girl who makes $250,000 a year, you might be okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I The way that my brain could never like even when I was dating a chick who made like significantly more than me, I still pay for everything. It's that Southern charm in you. Yeah, that's what I love. That that's what you call charm. You're like he pays it all. <laughs> I love a good charming boy. Or that Russian. Uh, are you full Russian? Yeah, full Russian Jew. So maybe it's just that I don't know a Russian mother who just put that in. Like take care of women. Be nice. Yeah. Well, my mom is like very very strong, but the way that I watched everything was like it was just like seen by example. Like a man provides. Like a man does what he's supposed to do, and like. Me personally, I'd much rather pay for a fucking really expensive dinner with a girl and just eat that bill and be like, all right, I'll figure out how, where to save for the rest of the month if it's like something crazy. Then be like, all right, we're going to split this now. Because then I'm like, to me, it's like, that's not being a man. You know, it's old school antiquated thinking, but I just like, a man fucking provides. He does what he's supposed to fucking do and he doesn't bitch about it. Yeah, as much as I like to be uh, a full feminist on this front, I, I will say I do remember a guy I split with. I always remember that split bill. Of course. It just goes against nature. Like it's because your brain is going, how the fuck? This guy is splitting the bill. How is he going to raise our kid? How is he going to provide? What if like shit happens? Like what's going to, you know, what's he going to look at me for like, yeah, babe, can you break that window so we can get out of here? Like totally. But then I get insecure sometimes because I'm not really like the ideal wife figure. You know, I'm, I'm very outspoken. I, you know, say a lot of crazy shit. I don't come across as motherly, so I get insecure. Like, I feel like when I date guys, they don't see that in me. So, like, they don't really take me seriously because I... I guess I don't really take myself that seriously. But on the reverse angle, I do get insecure because I do. A part of me, I'm like you. I'm like, a guy should pay. But then I'm like, well, I need to not have these thoughts because I'm a different type of woman, I guess. I don't know how to say that without sounding very cheesy. Yeah. I'm not, like, a typical mother what well, you want to know listen this is gonna this is what nobody tells you female comics is like the truth is most of you're gonna end up single jesus love no but here's just look just look at the numbers i don't know how nobody puts this i know i have this keeps me up at night a female comics personality type doesn't typically end up with a man and stays in a long-term thing because you guys are you're a different kind of beast you're more like us you get bored of guys like it you know what I mean? It's a, it's a different thing. It's all it's like career focused. Everything else is first. It's like it's like you look at the most successful female comedians. Every one of them is single, with the exception of Schumer, and she had to marry a guy with Down syndrome. It's Aspergers, okay? It's Aspergers. <laughs> but do you, under, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, no, I do. What do you think I think about all the time? I talk about this with my therapist, and she's like, "Look, yeah, every male comic is like married eight times by the time they're sixty. Like, has, have gone through their divorces. Every female comic is single at 50 on stage. Like, I'm trying to find a guy. Like, that's what it is. And it's not, and like, it's not because men 
don't want funny women. I hate when people say that because like that's such bull. The only women I've ever dated in my life and have ever been in love with have been funny women. I can only date a funny woman. So it's like it's not that. It's just like we're not we're it, comedians are inherently difficult to be in relationships with we just are because of what we are and what our personalities are like i i know i i mean it's not like i was like slinging it in high school and then got into comedy and things slowed down i've always had relationship problems so it's kind of my personality <laughs> like i i don't know sarah silverman said that in comedians and cars she's like i feel like being a comedian is like being gay and that you were born a certain way yeah and I don't want to say that because I'm not gay, so I can't be like, well, it is. But um, I do feel that way and that, like, this is kind of what I was supposed to do and this is who I am. And But it is hard to sometimes accept because I do look at female comedians who are er, successful and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. You know, take the red pill or the blue pill. Which one is it? Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, I I love that movie La La Land, actually. I I didn't see that for you, but okay. I love that fucking movie. I thought I was going to hate it. I went into the movie alone. I had a hood up and everything. I was like, by the end of it, I was like, that was fucking great. That was so sweet. But the big message there is like, look, you either are going to have a great career or you're going to have a partner. You kind of have to pick one. And if you're a person in show business, like realistically, you're probably going to marry like a casting director or something like that, because that's like those are the relationships that work the best because they, you know, we we know what the other is. There's no surprises. Like if you're a male comic, you you kind of immediately if you're any goddamn good, you're like so much more valuable in the dating marketplace in the because like that women look for in men like charm like leadership you know what i mean all these things like just a guy being on stage is just sexy when it's a guy yeah totally it's like seeing a man in uniform you're like oh he's got a purpose like he's he's got a thing a talent whereas like for men when we see a, a woman on stage that's not happening in our brain like we're much dumber we're not we're just going I like what are her legs look like like that's what we're doing like we're all just on the physical like we don't look at women and go what are their talents like that's that's what we are we're these stupid fucking but you don't find it attractive if a woman's successful i honestly like i just i don't care that she's successful i just don't care that i just don't want her to be a bum like i i want her to have some sort of uh achievement but i i'm not gonna be like i don't care what her level of success is like i'm i've never told my friends like dude she's a fucking lawyer dude like I've never said that. I I and none of my friends I don't think would. Would they, I actually have like a few close friends who are outside of comedy who like I I think it really matters to them. Where they're like I want us to have similar career minded goals. I want us I want her to be in a respectable field, shit like that. But to me, like I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm totally gonna be that guy that like marries a fucking waitress because I'm like I'm in love. I do think that's also another difference between men and women. Like for me, I just I'm the same way. I c- I could never date a guy who's just like chill with. Even if he makes a lot of money, if he just kind of does that and that's all he wants to do or like just that job, if he doesn't have any hobbies or any passions to me, I'm like, how are you not bored? Like, what do you do for fun? Or like those guys who just get so fucked up on the weekends and that's what they look forward to. I'm like, don't you like want something else? Yeah. And it's fine that they don't. But to me, that is always a turnoff. But then on the reverse, I'm like, oh, I got to go do this open mic or this bar show. And guys are like, no, you don't. No right. one has to do that. No one should <laughs> have to do that. Well, wh- how many like do you still like do the mics and all that shit? Like I I stopped doing those 
so long ago. Yeah, I don't do open mics just because like I would sometimes, but I work till six. So it's yeah, like yeah. by the time I got on the train and got to a two minute, open, it was never worth it. To me, like I, I'm sure this is just me like validating my own laziness, but I'm like, once you're at a certain level of comedic ability of like on, on a stage, it you don't have to do that anymore. Like I look at you and I'm like, you are a comedian. You know how to do comedy. Like you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like to me, open mics are useful for the first like two years of learning your stage mechanics and learning how to walk on a stage and like be confident and fucking deliver things differently. But like you need real people and real shows to learn how to get good at, at this. Yeah. I do think at some point open mics make you worse, but yeah. I will say that Ari Finling, he does a lot of open mics and I saw him do like a half hour in December. Yeah. And it was the funniest fucking half hour I'd ever seen. I saw it twice. Cause I did, I opened for him or whatever. And I was crying laughing. Oh, really? And I was just so impressed by his stand-up that I was like, maybe I should get back into open mics because Ari does go all the time and, like, really pushes himself. Yeah. So I think there is something to to really working at it, but also I, what is eating a dick in Brooklyn really going to do for me? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, uh, it's also like, you know, I have, like, I work like a couple of clubs. So to me, like the, I like noticed it used to be like, get, do 30 sets a week. You know what I mean? Go yeah. do every fucking thing and racing around. And I realized with myself, like I'm not much good on the third set unless it's like in the same neighborhood in the same vicinity. Like it just, it's tiring. You know what I mean? Totally. So like, if it's like at one club and I'm there, I can do fucking five sets there. I'm just going to keep having fun on every set. But like if I got to go from here to fucking this and then I got to go to this part of town and I got to go here, I'm going to be fucking frustrated and like unhappy by the third, fourth set. Yeah. Also, you're touring. So it would be it seems a little ridiculous to be going around for a five minute spot when you're traveling the country to do, you know, 45 minute sets. It just yeah. it's time management. And it's also like unless you're working on a, a one specific bit that you're really trying to hammer out, like doing three sets in one night, what are you really getting from that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides yeah. maybe not liking a bit anymore and losing it when it could have, I don't know. That's how I feel. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, this isn't fucking working. And then I'll go back to it. I'm like, oh, maybe I just abandoned it because I was doing it at a midnight open mic in a basement. Right. What's the one bit that you can't wait to try? I like haven't been writing stand up, honestly. None? No. What about you? I already did it during the show. During <laughs> this? The, yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I want to do this thing about finding a used bike and just how depressing it is. Oh, that's funny. That is, yeah, yeah that's great. I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm trying, yeah, I haven't really thought about stand up, but I've been living with my parents and trying to like make notes of things they do but <laughs> you're just you're just sitting there with a notepad yeah. just studying your parents what's funny about you guys i'm like yeah my that's dad has so a man funny. bun right now i feel like that's more of a photo oh my god that i think that explains so much of who you are my dad's a pretty big hippie he's great but um yeah he's he has a man yeah. bun and you know he's very chill he likes to smoke weed and yeah, yeah yeah do you think you'll see your parents at all during this uh, we were we were thinking about going home this weekend, but the the problem is like I just don't want to put them at risk. Totally. I think that's what yeah I think that's what everybody's dealing with. It's just like except for you, you selfish fuck. Just like you're like everybody's dying. I'm here. <laughs> What's up, guys? My parents literally made me. They were like, "You're coming home. Just come home. Just come home now." Yeah. I was like, "All right." Like it it just was not worth a fight. And no one in New York was like, "Please stay." So. Right, 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 right. <laughs> okay. Well, we've been going for like. 
over an hour. So um, usually what I like to leave on is the biggest secret. It doesn't actually, or just like a hot piece of juicy goss that you don't want your mom to know. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing. You know what it is? Is like I'm genuinely such an honest person personal people that like if they ask me like real questions like i'll give them real answers i put everything of myself out I, comedians are all oversharers you know we, we kind of say everything i don't know what's like a fucking what's, well, like, what's your like gnarliest story from the road then uh, okay i'm trying to pick which one because there's like a few similar ones I'll, t- I'll say this the best night i ever had on the road was uh i think it was worcester it was like some fun or maybe L- la was really fun too but there was uh there was one night where i did a fucking uh i did i did my show had a great time they're like uh no was it i can't remember if it was worcester or boston i think it might have been boston but whatever had a great fucking time start chatting up these like these two girls that came it was like a girl that was like a real fan and then her friend and uh both like really attractive fucking chicks and they were like you're in our city like we're showing you around and I was like, all right, if you insist, you know. So they take, they know I like cigars because I talked about it on the podcast. They take me to this like awesome cigar lounge. There's like live music happening. I, I go to, I go to pay for my cigar. They'd already paid for it. Like all this shit. Wow, like, real fans. Yeah, yeah. So we're having drinks, we're smoking, having a good time. And I'm like, you know, as a guy, you're hanging out with two girls. Like you're like, this fucking threesome's going to happen. Like that's all you're thinking about. And then, uh, the, so the the hotel mixed up my fucking room. I was supposed to have a king size bed, and said they gave me two queen size beds. And when I called to like be like, "Hey, you guys like messed my room up," like the woman just went, "Oh, great." And I was I just hung up. I was like, "I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through this." Yeah. So, anyways, like long story short, we end up going back to the hotel. This girl's like, "Oh, I'm a wine merchant," so she's got like fucking fifty bottles of like high end wine brings like four of them to the hotel room we're just like getting trashed on wine and like it was like such a sexy like slow like her friend just like took her pants off it was just like without saying anything with just while watching tv and i was like oh okay is that what we're doing and like slowly everything turned into like now me and one of them are in the shower together the other one is like on the phone with her boyfriend that she's like arguing with it is trying to decide like should i fuck this guy so there's like all this like e- extra layers to it you know did what she, i mean did she have sex with you so i was seeing a girl who the arrangement was i was only allowed to get blown on the road so long, like for the next two hours like they literally just like blew me while like one was like 69ing me while the other was sucking my balls or like one of them like i would literally be like throat fucking one while eating out the other it was that for just two hours. It was like incredible. And they made like such a team effort of just being like, the girl just wanted me to come all over her face. That was the mission. She's like, this is why I'm doing it. Like, fuck my dude, whatever. I don't care. I just need you to come all over my face. I want to take a picture of that. And I was, and like after two hours, that's what happened. It was just the fucking best. And then afterwards, there's a perfectly good queen size bed for both of them to sleep in. Right, you didn't you know? even sleep in the bed with one of them. You just you were like, "All right, well that's that's your territory." Well, <laughs> yeah, you go go in the sex bed. Fucking uh, no, but it was like you know at first we were all laying together, but then the, I think the two of them were just like, "This would just be way more comfortable if it was just two people in a bed instead of three I mean, but yeah, that is a it, wild fucking. Yeah, she gifted me like a fucking like high end wine opener too. I still use it to this day. That like, and every time t- I use it, I do you talk to them? Um, I I don't 
here's what always happens. Like whenever I have a threesome on the road, it's always like whenever one... I have a threesome on the road, that's so <laughs> casual. You know, like every other month. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. Um, and by the way, I'm, I'm not objectifying these hosts. These are amazing women. They, I'm not objectifying you know... these hosts. <laughs> yeah, they know what they want. <laughs> So we're all just having fun. Who gives a fuck? But every once in a while, they'll like, you know, I'll get a reply to an Instagram story. Just like, you know, just casual shit. Uh, there's very few people, I think, that I've had a sexual encounter with that then is like, oh, fuck that guy. Like, there's definitely, you know, there's I'm sure there's like an ex that's like got some ruffled feathers or like, you know, a girl wanting to meet up and me not wanting to and her being like, he's a fuck boy. But like other than that. I think sex usually ends up being pretty fun. Yeah, you know? I guess you go into it so casually. Like, I don't mean that in a negative way, but you do approach it. Like, even the way you're talking about it. or uh, We've talked about this in the past, but you, you don't lead people on to believe it's going to be more than what it is. So No, it, no. So yeah. it's very hard to be mad at someone like that because it is what it is. Yeah. I, I tell people, like, look, look, like, also the thing is, like, I'm a public person, so people, you know, public, I put that in quotes, but, like, people know what they're getting into when they deal with me. what usually happens is a girl meets me on a date and she's like this guy's gonna be the biggest fuck boy ever and then we talk and she's like oh he's actually like a cool dude yeah like maybe this will work but like i'm very honest about like what i am like what i do like i would love to be in love with somebody but chances are you're probably just not gonna be that person i just gotta fuck my way to that person but i'm not like a i'm not like crazy about sex like you know i've, I've this has been like three months now i'm fine i don't you know i don't care um, so it's, it's not like a, I'm not a person that's like, I need to fucking get laid like immediately. You know yeah. I mean? But those desperate people, you can feel it. And that's like always a turn off. And those aren't the people fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I've been approached at a bar by a really hot guy, which has been like twice and I can vividly remember it. <laughs> it was a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was sprinkling that night. Uh, yeah. but no, I've always like. No, either they were too drunk or just like so desperate to the point where I'm like, you're clearly weird, cause like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you banged out some pretty fucking hot studs in your day. Who are you talking I, about? I, I know one dude that you hooked up with um, that's like Matt Rath. Yeah. Oh, is that public knowledge? No, I'll bleep it, but like, <laughs> he'll probably sue me for libel. Yeah, send you a cock mold <laughs> <laughs> to go fuck yourself. No, that that guy, like, oh my god, let him jizz on my back. What a what a handsome hog. Yeah, but I was pre veneers. You have to remember that. Yeah, but I mean, even still, come on. Don't, don't see why are you always try to take yourself down a notch. You're like my therapist. She's like, just embrace it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I've had good pulls. What can I say? Yeah, fucking master fisherman over here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't be too hard on yourself. Wow. Um. Well, thanks. Um. Okay. Well, this was fun. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, sorry I don't have like a big secret, but I would yeah I would say a threesome um, with a girl who has a boyfriend is a pretty it's pretty juicy, I guess I, I never sign off and it's just always kind of ends. How do you end yours? I just uh, what what a professional does, Hannah. Yeah, please, I'm learning. They let the guests plug their shit. Of course, I'm so sorry. Please. Yeah, no, I don't your, give a fuck. Please plug your no, stuff. I don't care. Uh, I just have a podcast called Young Daddy. You can listen to it. If you like the uh, the way I talk, and uh, if not, I have an Instagram love fur. If you like the way I look, gives good advice to ladies. Yeah, it's usually just chicks writing in, but another Hannah's been on it too. You're obviously a fan of her already, so check that out. Well, great. Yeah, well, follow Lev, listen to his podcast, and uh, thanks for teaching me my you know podcast ways. Yeah, anytime. I'll, I'll do your art next week. Oh, please.
All right, guys. Thank you. See ya. Yeah.